Are you wandering in the wilderness? Or are you a voice in the wilderness? Welcome to the Revival Cry podcast. This is your host, Eric Miller. Isaiah 40 verse 3 says, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. The goal of this podcast is to encourage you to use the voice God has given you to make Jesus famous. Every week, we will share principles from the Word of God, interviews, and encouragement in order to strengthen your voice. Thank you for joining me today. And now here is today's podcast. I want to talk to you today about the danger of religion without the Holy Spirit. How many of you remember who John Lennon was? John Lennon wrote a famous song called Imagine. I'll just read some of the lyrics. I won't read it all. But it says, imagine there's no heaven. (laughs) I don't want to imagine that. Imagine if in this life you're fighting to survive poverty, sickness, wars, but there's absolutely no hope after you die. Friend, I don't believe that. Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us, above us, only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. Because that's what makes sense in the natural thinking. If there's nothing to live for after you die, then live for today. It's why evolution makes so much sense. But if you don't want to believe that you came from a monkey... I have a hard time believing that my great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather was a hairy ape. I'd rather believe my ancestors, your ancestors, we come from dust. It's more miraculous to come from dust than it is from something that looks like us. Because the enemy can never create something authentically. He always has to copy something. But see, God can make you from the dust of the earth. And even when you die and you return to that dust, he says, I will give you a new body. And this body will never be corrupted by sin and death again. I don't want to read any more of that song. I was reading from 2 Timothy verses 3, 1 through 4, which I'll just read in a minute. So I wrote this today. Actually, let me read it first. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather, than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people, turn away. I'm talking about the dangers of religion without the Holy Ghost. I wrote this this morning at about 4.30 when I woke up, which is not normal for me, but the spirit of jet lag was upon me. But I was wide awake. And I was reading the scripture, I, 
I wrote this, imagine perilous times which purposely push God away. Imagine difficult times without times of refreshing. Imagine people who love themselves and do not love God. Imagine loving money more than having purpose. Imagine prideful leaders guiding us without humility. Imagine blasphemous music honoring demons more than Jesus. Imagine rebellious children divorcing their parents instead of being nurtured by them. Imagine unthankful attitudes which forget the sacrifices of others. Thank you, veterans. Imagine unholy entertainment replacing appetite for community. Imagine unloving religions forgetting the needs of the poor. Imagine... Imagine unforgiving pain so deep that children are murdered in schools by other children. Imagine slanderous accusations swaying us to vote for officials in office. Imagine uncontrollable rage leading to wars around the world. Imagine brutal treatment of Christians being overlooked by those who are free. Imagine redefining what is good by what is totally opposite. Imagine fathers and mothers who become traitors to their own spouses and children. Imagine people who love pleasure so much they never feed the hungry. Imagine the church valuing religion more than relationship with Jesus. We don't have to imagine that. It's a reality. It's happening today all over us. I came up with those thoughts not because it was difficult, but because we see it and we hear about it in the news every day. And I know that you're very familiar with this. But verse 5 again says, having a form of godliness but denying its power and from such people turn away. There is an extreme danger with religion that has excommunicated the Holy Ghost. William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, said over a hundred years ago, the chief danger of the 20th century will be religion without the Holy Spirit. Religion without the Holy Spirit. Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, salvation without regeneration, politics without God, and heaven without hell. The danger of having a form of godliness without the power of the Holy Spirit is that it leads us to think that we can have a knowledge of God's Word without believing we are able to apply it directly to our lives today. Now listen, I'm going to talk about the difference between cessationism and continuationism. If you are a cessationist and you love Jesus, I look to you as a brother and a sister in the Lord. But I will say this, I believe so much cessationists believe that it's a theological dispute 
as to whether the spiritual gifts remain available to the church. Signs, wonders, miracles. If they died with the death of the last apostle or whether they continue for today. That's what a continuationist is. I would imagine that the majority of us here today are continuationists. But there's a big difference. And even though I can accept brothers and sisters who may have a different view on these things from Scripture, I believe God is extremely merciful. But we will reap what we sow. If we try to think that we can, through our wisdom, through our knowledge, through our experience, preach the gospel of the kingdom without power. Let me give you some quotes. Tom Pennington on the case for cessationism said, so what do we mean by cessationism? We mean that the spirit no longer sovereignly gives individual believers the miraculous spiritual gifts that are listed in the scripture and that were present in the first century church. It is neither the spirit's plan nor his normal pattern to distribute miraculous gifts to Christians and churches today as he did in the time of the apostles. Those gifts have ceased as normative with the apostles. That's a bold statement, my friend. My answer as a continuationist is Hebrews 13.8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Tom Schreiner of Why I Am a Cessationist said, the apostles were uniquely appointed for the early days of the church to establish orthodox doctrine. There is no warrant then for saying there are still apostles today. Indeed, if anyone claims to be an apostle today, we should be concerned. For such a claim opens the door to false teaching and abuse of authority. If the gift of apostleship has ended, then other gifts may have ceased as well. Since the foundation has been laid by the apostles and the prophets. My answer, as a continuationist, Romans 1.1. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated by the gospel of God. You say, well, how does that answer that question? We believe, even as continuationists, that the original 12 apostles will never be replaced. We cannot add to Scripture. God used them, and the canonization is closed for that. Scripture, the book of Revelation, the last chapter says, anybody who adds to or takes away from this book, may the curses written in this book be added to them. That's not a question. However... Paul was not a part of the 12. That's a problem. So do we say, okay, Paul. What about Timothy? I can tell you, I've heard a list of up to 25 different apostles. Some people say are and some say not. But my point is, beyond the 12, we see in Scripture, they say, there are apostles. And I, look, 
I have been in the charismatic Pentecostal world for a long time. And I'm not going to go up to somebody and say, hello, my name is Apostle Miller. I am not a pastor. But I do function as a shepherd. Because we're all called to function as shepherds to some level and degree. Some have more responsibility than others. But the point is, in Ephesians 4.11, he gave some to be apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. For the purpose of what? Equipping the church to look like Jesus. Jesus was and is the fivefold ministry. And if he lives in you and me, are we saying that he's only giving us a part of himself today? No, friend. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's a lot of implications because of this. Of what we believe. Let me read you a couple more quotes and we'll get into some more scripture. The prime, this is Tim Challies from the Strange Fire Conference, A Case for Cessationism, said, the primary purpose of Jesus' miracles was to confirm his credentials as God's final and ultimate messenger. Jesus' miracles were not primarily a tool for effective evangelism. Hmm. Or about alleviating human suffering. The main reason the Holy Spirit empowered Jesus to perform miracles was to confirm that he was everything he claimed to be and he spoke the words of God. Jesus gave the same power to the apostles and the miracles served exactly the same purpose. My answer as a continuationist. John 14, 12. Most assuredly, Jesus speaking, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I will do, he will do also. And greater works, say greater works, than these he will do because I'm going to the Father. Jesus said, it is better for you that I go away. I, didn't, I wouldn't have agreed with that. If I was walking with Jesus, seeing him cast out demons, heal the sick, and raise the dead, I would think, no, we like you here. But he said, it's better for you that I go away. Why? He was fully God, and he was fully man, in the, in the bodily form as a man, when he was here in this world. And he was here for about 33 years, with about three and a half years of ministry. But he purposely did not allow his divine nature to do everything that he could do. He lived and grew as a man. He had to learn how to honor his parents. He had to learn how to turn his head and not give in to lust. He had to learn how to not get angry when people said terrible things about him or called him a devil. And yet... He already knew these things, but he did it as an example for you and I so that we could see that the power of the Holy Spirit that abided in Jesus and the resurrected Christ, that power dwells within us when you are born again, my friend. It's not about knowledge only. 
It's not about putting on your wall saying, I have a doctorate of theology, or I went to this Bible school, or I attended the Brownsville Revival. So what? Unless you know that greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world, it doesn't matter what you know. Even the demons believe there's a God. Last one, John MacArthur. Again, I believe these are brothers in the Lord. I may be passionate about it, but I have no right to judge who they are by the blood of Jesus. Although charismatics deny, and let me say something. We have a lot of issues we need to clean up in the charismatic and Pentecostal church. There's a lot of foolishness. If the word of God is not our primary foundation, throw it out. I don't care what angel visited you. I don't care what dream you had. If it's not found or it's not attributed to what is written in scripture, throw it out. Although charismatics deny that they are trying to add to scripture, their views on prophetic utterance, gifts, of prophecy and revelation really do just that. As they add, however unwittingly, to God's final revelation, talking about the Word of God, they undermine the uniqueness and authority of the Bible. New revelation, dreams, and visions are considered as binding on the believer's conscience as the book of Romans or the Gospel of John. My answer, I'm going to give you two scripture passages. Numbers 11:29. This is how long ago the Lord had this in mind. Then Moses said to him, "Are you zealous for my sake? Oh, that the all say all. All of the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them." You go read Numbers 11 later. Acts 2, 16 through 18, which is also talked about in the book of Joel. But this, this is after the, the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out. And now they go out in the streets and they're talking to all these people. And they hear them speaking in different languages, speaking in tongues. And they're like, what is going on with these people? But Peter... The apostle stood up and said, but this was what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And on my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. Is everybody a prophet? No. But there is an ability that lives within us that comes with the complete package of the power of the Holy Spirit. And just because we may not know how to use it doesn't mean it's not real. And just because we had a bad experience where somebody we prayed for, they died and they get healed, doesn't mean that the scripture is wrong. We interpret scripture with scripture. 
We do not take the testimony of men outside of scripture and say, this is what we believe because this apostle said this and that evangelist said that. It doesn't matter. What does scripture say? Why is this important today? Because if we can allow the Holy Spirit to begin to fill us and baptize us with fire again, the church will see revival and awakening unlike anything that we've ever seen in history. I believe for a last day's revival unlike anything that's ever been seen in history. Leviticus 10 one through three, the story of Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took a censer and put fire in it, put incense on it and offered profane. In the King James Version, it says, strange fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them to do. God initiated the fire. And he said in Leviticus six, that you are to maintain the fire on the altar. Keep it burning. Keep adding sacrifice. You don't start it, I start it. But they saw that the fire was out and instead of asking God to bring the fire, what did they do? They said, let us try and start a fire for you, Lord. Let us try to start a revival. Let us try to start an awakening in our country. Let's try and get people really excited and give money towards and, and, and bring in all these high-powered speakers and have these new great songs that we love to sing. That way we can say we have revival. Friends, there's no shortcuts to revival. Revival comes because God sovereignly initiates it and sustains it and we keep putting sacrifice on the altar. Not because we're trying to earn anything, but because we see Jesus as our mile, as our model. And he said, if any man comes after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and come follow me. There's value to dying to yourself. But if you think the Holy Ghost is not for today, then embracing your cross is nothing but hardship and legalism. But if you know that the Spirit comes every time you die, and that resurrection comes after death, then you can believe that this is for you today, and the power of God will meet you in your life where you are. So the fire went out from the Lord and devoured them. And they died before the Lord. And Moses said to Aaron, this was Aaron's sons, the high priest. That's what the Lord spoke, saying, by those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. And before all the people, I must be glorified. So Aaron held his peace. The father, who watched his two boys judged by the fire of God, because they did it their way and they didn't do it God's way had to keep his peace because he is not the authority you say oh that's harsh is it no it's not harsh it saved the life of Israel and brought the gospel to you and me you know why because if we believe that a loving savior is not also a severe judge, then we have been duped into reading something that men have wrote, that the gospel is here to make me feel good. 
Friend, it's not here to make you feel good. It's here to give you hope. It's here to say you can be forgiven and you can walk in freedom and that this is the reason why you lay everything down and you follow Jesus no matter by life or by death. It is dangerous to preach the gospel without the Holy Spirit's power. The powerless church has not reproduced revelation, but lethargy. You know why people fall asleep in church? Because there's no power. And because we're, we're talking from one fallen head to another fallen head. Saying, just accept what I say and believe me and trust me. No. You can hear God for yourself. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Friend, I'm not saying we don't need leadership. If you hear that, you're hearing something off. I am saying that the purpose of leadership is not to control, to dictate, and to tell everybody what to do. It's to equip you as a servant for ministry. You should thank God that you have leaders like that. Oh, they're not perfect, but neither are you. Before we judge each other, ask how much we've prayed for each other first. What causes the church to press in and hunger for the more of God? The Holy Spirit. I might have a bunch of knowledge and, and pictures on my wall of all the certificates that I've attained in this life. But friend, you know as well as I do, when you're about to kill yourself and a voice speaks to you and says, I love you. Everything that you know may or may not matter in that moment. But when God invades you and says, I love you. I'm here for you. Friend, it will break the hardest man. It'll break the hardest woman into crumbs to where there's no way you can put yourself together or anybody else can put yourself together. And then by faith, God begins to build your life. And everything changes. The long-term danger of strange fire creates dependency on the Word without the Spirit. Paul the presser. Something the Lord spoke to me about the other day. When Paul was killed in Rome, I have been to the prison in Rome called the Marmitime Prison where Paul the Apostle was held. In fact, our family was in Italy last September. And we went for three weeks in Sicily and different places just sharing the gospel. It was amazing. God provided all the money for us to go. Some people didn't even know, but God spoke to them. And we go and, and we're sharing and we end up in Rome. And I really wanted my kids to see this prison because it's below ground about two stories. And we got there about 5 p.m. and they had just closed the doors. And I thought, oh. Lord, help us to get in. Some guy who just locked the door looks behind him and sees us standing there and he goes, oh, did you guys want to get in? We said, if it's possible, sure, we'd be happy to. He says, well, look, it's already closed, but don't even worry about it. You don't have to pay anything. Just come inside with me and I'll give you a personal tour. We go down two stories and there's a dungeon, a dungeon. It's wet, it's dark, chains coming out from the wall. I don't think those are the original chains. 
It's been a little while. But he said that's where Paul sat. And he wrote some of the book of Timothy and the book to the Colossians, except for these chains. But I'm ready to live by life or by death. Nero, who was the Roman authority at that time, hated the Christians. And he thought by imprisoning guys like Paul and Peter and having others crucified, it would take care of it. But listen, (laughs) this is why the power of the Holy Ghost is more important than just knowledge. But when they killed Paul, they separated his body from his head. And I'm sorry for the gruesomeness of it. Because he had such revelation of God's word and the power of the Holy Spirit he understood that he brought destruction not only to the kingdom of darkness but also to the flesh of men. We don't want to hear what you have to say. Kill him. Separate him. They did that to John the Baptist too. And like him. And Jesus said, there's no greater man born amongst women other than John the Baptist, but he who becomes least can also become great. See, there's something about us not making it about us. And we value the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit becomes real to us and evidence is seen in our personal lives, our marriages and our families That is what's going to change this nation. Let me finish up. Philippians 3, 12 through 14, Paul says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind And reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What if Paul was taught that the things that the original 12 did don't work for him today? Then we would read Acts chapter 9 on his Damascus Road experience and we'd say, he's a heretic. He's an apostate. He's a liar. Anybody want to call Paul the apostle a liar? I sure don't. But the fact that he was not a part of the original 12 and that he had this thought that what he experienced, what the apostles experienced, and what he experienced, that we can experience as well. Friend, it should encourage us to go for it. Paul did not look at the Holy Spirit as his goal, but a gateway. Derek Prince said on the baptism of the Holy Spirit that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not a goal, but a gateway. It's not about just getting nice, warm, fuzzy feelings and falling on the floor. And if you do that, praise God. People say, I don't see where falling on the ground is in the Bible. I don't know. I've heard different arguments, and I don't think it's that important. But here's the take I have. If the God of the universe steps inside your little body, you might shake a little bit. You might fall down. But that's not the goal. If you look at the purpose and the goal of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, 
you read it, what Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. In the Greek, that means martyrs. Ooh, we don't want to quote that no more. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So are you telling me that with the death of the last apostle that there's no more power for the church? Because the church has not gotten to the ends of the earth yet. John 16, 7, the um, amplified Bible classic version says, Jesus speaking, However, I'm telling you nothing but the truth when I say it is profitable, good, expedient, advantageous for you to go, for you that I go away. Because if I do not go away, the comforter, the counselor, the helper, the advocate, intercessor, strengthener, standby. These are all the words that it, the Greek tells us that we don't know will not come to you into close fellowship with you. But if I go away, I will send him to you and he will be in close fellowship with you. I don't want to say to the Holy Ghost, um, I don't need you. I got it right here. And there's churches and there's pastors and there's doctrines that say that every week and then we come up with more gimmicks and more methods and more ideas to keep people engaged because we're trying to, you know, um, you know we're, we're looking at YouTube. We're looking at the fairgrounds. We're looking at the movies coming out and the music. And we just can't seem to make people live holy. We can't live holy without the Holy Spirit. Isn't it more simple than we make it to be? Jude chapter 1, and I'll be finished in a moment. I think I said that already, right? We're on Philippine time today, friend. I'm just kidding. Starting in verse 12. Now he's been talking about apostates, people who said they believed the gospel and then they turned away and say, we don't believe it anymore. And this is all false. Or we want you to believe what we have to say because we're so smart and intelligent with all kinds of money and experience. Verse 12, the book of Jude says, These are the spots at your love feasts. While they feast with you without fear, serving only themselves, they are clouds without water. They have a knowledge of, of understanding, but they have no power. They have no way to produce. In fact, anybody who tells you that they lead people to Jesus, I would question that. Because I've never led one person to Jesus. I have planted seeds and watered seeds, but it's God who makes them grow. I cannot save anyone. I didn't sh my blood doesn't mean anything to the salvation of the world. The only reason my blood and your blood is important if it's shed in the name of Jesus is because of what he's already done. And we simply cry out from the earth as sons of God and cause all creation to say that, that he is God. And these people believe what they said. They didn't just go to church. They believe that the fire of the Holy Spirit is for them today. They're clouds without water, carried about by the winds. What winds? False winds, not wind of the Holy Ghost. 
Late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, pulled up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming up their own shame, wandering stars for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Friend, I don't want to play games with telling God and his word that these things are not for today. I, now again, I believe that when we get to heaven, heaven will be a great mouth closer and a great eye opener. We're going to be surprised who's there and who's not there. You either get there by faith or you don't get there. But you don't, there's nothing you and I can do to add value to what Jesus has already done. We have a guy in the Philippines. His name is Apollo C. Kibaloy. He has well over a million followers and he calls himself the appointed son of God. He has three TV stations. He has a jet. He has all kinds of helicopters and different things. And, and he, he's building a huge stadium that seats tens of thousands of people right at the airport. So when you come into our city, you see this massive thing. Massive thing. And I want to tell you, he used to be a Pentecostal preacher. More so of a oneness Pentecostal where they believe just Jesus only, they don't believe in the Trinity. But here's the point, that his knowledge has deceived him from submitting his life to the Holy Spirit. What God could have done with a man who would have humbled himself before him? Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men, also saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Don't ever compare yourself to people. Compare yourself to Jesus. Created in his image. I'm almost finished. These grumblers, complainers, w walking according to their own lusts, and they mouth great, uh, mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. But you, beloved, remember the words which are spoken before the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. These are sensual persons who cause divisions not having the Holy Spirit. Form of godliness, but deny the power. And last couple verses. But you, beloved, building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life, and on some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. I would encourage you to check into some of these scriptures on your own and test anything that I'm saying today. If anything I'm saying is not of the word of God, may it fall to the ground. But see, I believe that the word of God is in me. Not me only, 
But the word that became flesh and dwelt among us came into my life when Eric surrendered his life to Jesus many years ago. And I'll never forget it. I'm eternally grateful for the mercy of God delivering me from the lust of the flesh, from the pride of this life, from the, uh, the lust of this world. I'm not saying because we're missionaries that we're better than anybody. Not at all. I get to be a missionary. Amen. You get to be doing what you're doing. If there's any question about what you're doing, you need to get before the Holy Spirit and ask him and God's word is what I'm doing what you have created me for. That's between you and Jesus. Thank you for listening to Revival Cry with Eric Miller. Please subscribe, rate, and write a review for this podcast on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To find out more or partner with our missions work around the world, please visit us at revivalcry.org. I look forward to being with you next week.